0: good morning good morning to you it's uh it's early for you right yeah it is i'm still on pacific time so got my coffee in
1: yeah i woke up at about five this morning oh why so early i think i was kind of pumped to get my uh landing page launched nice i saw i saw the
0: tweets this morning you slid right in there last minute (laughs) i saw that
1: you're my latest subscriber (laughs) yeah thanks for subscribing you bet landing page looks nice thank you adam wathen who i mentioned a couple of times helped me out with the design um i sent him sort of an early prototype and he was like mm, i have some feedback but let me just like make a thing that's kind of better than what you have <laughs> and i was like that's amazing thank you i think he had a, sort of his own like landing page template that he had developed over the, the years and so he's like try this and it was like oh that looks way better nice what did you uh, what technology did you use for this is it static it is static yeah okay it's literally just GitHub pages hitting an index.html. Nice, plain old old school HTML. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then an embedded form that points at uh, getdrip.com. I like the old URL. I, I refuse to use the .co drip.co. Uh, yeah, no, the app still on drip, getdrip.com. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so I launched that like at seven a.m. or something like that. Um, already getting like a lot of people saying nice things or like just excited about it. it seems like got about 80 subscribers in a couple hours, which is cool. And I I haven't sent it out to my newsletter yet, uh, which is that's around like 1100 people now. So expect to pick up a good chunk from there. I'm planning on keeping like having multiple lists because I don't want to like overwhelm the non rails people on my newsletter. But I want to be able to send out lots of like in progress things. And here's a video I just finished and all that. So I want to have the ability to have multiple lists.
0: So are you tagging people in your in your drip account? Is that how you're? Continue? i was
1: well so i was planning on just having folks submit the form like just sign up again although i imagine there's some way i could have them like transfer that subscriber between drip accounts if i wanted to like with a oh trigger i see link. is that you're, a- you're using
0: two you have two
1: different drip accounts yeah i see
0: um yeah so same login but different accounts right so there's there's a pretty strong firewall between drip accounts but it probably does make sense for this to live on its own unless you're planning to do a bunch of like cross promotion with your existing list. Uh, Some you could always change your mind later and like, you know, export your subscribers from your one account and bring them into your other one and tag them or something like that. So it's not like a, it's not a decision that you have to, you know, be stuck with forever right now, but yeah, the firewalls are pretty strong. Like there's not a great, there's not a great mechanism for, for like transferring a subscriber between two accounts outside of like exporting them and, and importing them again cool yeah
1: so no I'm, I'm i'm fine having it separate i think that's fine my final domain at least for now is refactoring rails.io. i think i registered four or five different domains uh, discarding each one and deciding i didn't like it i decided to focus on the on the rails in particular it's sort of easier to sell it's more like obvious what it's going to be about uh, and who it's for and i like that there's like that niche as opposed to just ruby where it's like ah, oh, it could be a lot of things and your original video was about rails specifically right uh the original video was f- actually fairly Rails agnostic. It had a bit of Rails specific stuff towards the end, but was otherwise mostly Ruby. Um, I actually think the course will end up with a decent amount of like stuff that's just Ruby and not really Rails specific. But I, I think I want I want to have enough in there that it like is is a Rails course. I've heard some complaints from people about other Ruby courses that they are kind of a little too like OO focused, just like generic ruby-ish advice and it's like well, okay this looks cool and if i had total control of, over my objects and i didn't have to work within a framework this, this would work but given the reality of what i actually do day-to-day is this applicable yeah sometimes it can feel too uh too abstract or like now we have now
0: we're modeling a car with a vehicle that inherit or you know vehicle that inherits from car or whatever and it's like yeah but that doesn't actually align with a domain model of a SaaS app you know so
1: like I yeah, so I, w- I want it to be very real world and like useful actually at work for real for real mm-hmm, people. So, mm-hmm. I like it. That's the hope. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, so this feels good to get out there and also to have a if committed to a thing. Yeah. So, do you see this as commitment? Are you
0: feeling pretty pretty confident that you'll be moving forward with this or is there more gauging to happen
1: based on interest or is it kind of No, I, I this is it. This is the first thing. Okay. This is full steam ahead. All right. Um there's definitely enough I mean There was enough interest before there continues to seem to be enough interest that I I think I won't like develop a thing that no one wants to buy. And I think there's a lot of value in like just committing and getting going on a thing. Um, I don't think I mean, famous last words, I don't think this will will take me a ton of time. Um, I think a lot of this is like translating things I already have and know and have just need to sort of like tease out and synthesize into a course. I'm sure it'll take longer than I expect anyway, but. I'm okay focusing on this for a while and I'm excited to have a direction and a a thing I'm getting I'm getting more excited about the the topic as like people are telling me what they're hoping to learn and I'm like I have things for you. I think I can help you. Um, Even just rewatching that old the talk I gave the original refactoring talk uh, was like, Oh, yeah, this is, it's really fun to watch somebody refactor code live, At least for me. Like, I think it's interesting to see someone actually working for real. And so if I can bring a lot of that in, which I'm hoping to do, uh, I think it'll be a pretty compelling course. I am compelled. Um, what's
0: your roadmap look like? Like, what's, what are your next steps? for? I don't even know what, it, what the process looks like for putting together a video course. You know, are you starting to outline the videos you're going to have?
1: Are you going to start releasing stuff as you go? Are you going to kind of wait till the end and bundle it? Um, so I think the next step is trying to drive as many people to this as possible. And well, but that's like, I have a limited number of channels for that. I've considered experimenting with some early Facebook ads to see about possibly... Driving people to the page to collect emails. I don't want to burn a ton of time on that because that's a deep deep topic, and and it's it's not quite as it's not like working on the course. Uh, So I don't want to get stuck in the kind of meta part of it. So I think the first thing I'm going to do after some initial marketing stuff is uh, try to get a working table of contents together and get feedback on it. So I'll probably throw it in something like a Google Doc or a gist or something and send to everyone on the list. I I think reaching out to people that are interested and letting them help shape the course will just make it better. And so I'm planning on doing a lot of that. Table of contents is probably first. And then I think I'm just gonna kind of pick a video in the middle, like something that sounds not too big, but interesting, and make a whole video and just send it to everyone. And be like, okay, if the whole course were like this, like, what do we think? Did, Did I enjoy making it? Am I proud of it? Do you like it? What should I tweak Get some initial feedback. Like a table of contents is kind of a milestone. First video is kind of milestone, but the real big one for me is having enough there that I'm comfortable opening like pre-orders. Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask next. Like, are you yeah, at what point do you start selling this thing,
0: getting some some pre-order revenue?
1: Yeah. Some people would probably pay now, but I want them to get something right away. Like holding off on that part, which is kind of the reward, is probably good for motivation too, where it's like um okay well i know once i get four videos done then i'm gonna open pre-sales and that'll be fun because i'll see some you know revenue coming in if you pay money you should immediately get some useful stuff out of it yeah yeah i feel like especially for a course like this it'd probably
0: be good to have at least a few videos and then i could see you as you release them as you add you know uh, produce more videos just kind of releasing them to anyone who's paid already so then anyone who signs up and pays gets Whatever content is released at that time, and then you kind of drip it out over time, right? Totally. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
1: That's what I was picturing too. Yep. Every time I make a new thing, it's a nice excuse to email the the list, so everyone gets and like maybe give give away. I'm planning on trying to give away like decent chunks of it as I go, as just like a marketing technique, I guess. So it's like give it to the people on the list, throw give it out on Twitter. If by the way, if you like this, there's a whole course coming. Um, but uh, like the opposite of working in secret and then releasing all at once is kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah. I like it.
0: Yeah. Nice. So we'll see. So what's your
1: next, what's your next goal and can you put a time on it? Getting a table of contents out and getting feedback on it and going through some iterations by next week would probably be a good thing. I'll hold you to it. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) No. Yeah. Having committed to you definitely helped. Yeah. It was like, this is, I know this has got to ship before the podcast. So, um, that was useful. Although I'm like, I'm wondering if that actually is the best thing. Like, I, I'm tempted to actually say get a video out on something. I think that will feel like a better accomplishment. Like a table of contents is just like here's a list of the work I got to do. What have I really done? But if I can just pick some discrete topic, I don't. I don't need to get too much feedback and just say like, all right, I'm making a video, a an eight minute video on topic X.
0: Yeah, because I'm sure there's there's like probably anything, almost anything you talked about in your talk is probably a good candidate for espousing on in a longer video right and then i'm sure there's some topics where you're like a little more on the fence on is this is this going to resonate or not and then so you can use your your email list feedback to to kind of vet those edge case topics
1: i guess but um yep. yeah i'm sure you have yeah so why the don't we say that instead i'm gonna i'm gonna ship some sort of video by next week so something i'm thinking about and i think this will be kind of an ongoing question is how do i get teams to buy this because it sure would be nice to sell like eight licenses at once to the course type thing um, and like I, I tried to go after teams when I did that promotion with uh, Ovdi from Ruby Tapas on upcase and it kind of works but we I think we ended up selling only like 20 team like not total licenses but 20 discrete teams out of I think we like a thousand people signed up that said that they managed developers um so we didn't have a lot of success in that regard.
0: Hmm.
1: I'm not sure if you talked publicly
0: about this, but do you have an idea of the pricing structure for this? Uh I don't really. Okay. Um I'm not sure yet. Okay. I'm trying to put myself in the shoes, because actually, I mean I could this is potentially something that I could, you know, buy for my team of developers. And I'm trying to trying to put myself in customer shoes right now
1: <laughs> and think what my objections would be. I don't know. That's, that's a good question. I'll have to give it more thought. Kyle Fox, uh, who I met at MicroConf this year, uh, who works at Coach, uh, said a, made explicit a thing I had been thinking, which is, it's really nice to have everyone on a team go through a course because you end up with shared vocabulary. And I think that's really powerful. And so I think there's like a, a pretty good pitch to be made that doing like doing this as a team is better than alone. So I think there is a discrete benefit. But how do I find the people that are leading teams and get them to do the whole the process of the po or is involved
0: yeah I'm, I'm skimming over your landing page right now and as an individual developer when i read this i can think like okay i can i can level up my own skills by by doing this and it feels like kind of a personal improvement type of angle um but i also i wonder if the positioning has to be a little different for a team it's like I'm trying to picture like maybe a landing page that's more specifically about like how a whole team will benefit from taking this course and what. Yep.
1: You know what I mean? Um, Yep. That's probably worth building out, actually. Yeah. Like having a a pretty obvious link, which is like, do you work on a team? And then like a team specific page that talks about that. And maybe it's like kind of like that um, Julian.com type of thing
0: where, where you're you're catering it based on Kind of based on the path that they're on. Like, if if you manage people, then here's what here's the value of it. And if you're just a solo developer, here's the here's the
1: value from taking this. Um, Let me know if you think of things. I will. Yeah, I'll get more thought offline. Another thing that's on my mind is preventing myself from building a custom checkout and course delivery Mm -hmm. application (laughs) to do this. Yeah, Um, because part of me wants to spin up a new rails app and like also by the way uh record myself doing it and sell that to people yeah <laughs> or like li- like like have a paid live stream or something you know like sell the byproducts um but i ha- having made th- almost this exact app before um it's always more work than you expect it is and so if i want to move quickly building out a bunch of stuff that i could get somewhere else is probably not the right move yeah I would I would agree. It's probably not worth it in this case, Um,
0: unless this was truly going to be like if this is your case study application, perhaps. I don't know if you need one of those. Like, are you giving
1: away an application with this with this uh, course? Uh, TBD. Yeah. Like it, it would be kind of nice to be like, oh, by the way, one of the things you get is the source code for the app that's running the site you're on right now. That's something we did on Upcase that I think was actually was, was a nice perk to offer. So there would be some value there. And like I said, it would kind of let me sell another thing effectively as part of this journey that I'm, that I'm going to do anyway. But I, I, I'm like cognizant of the fact that I am a developer, which means as soon as I start a new thing, I'm like, how do I get to write a bunch of code? But it's like, uh, the thing I'm selling here is the knowledge, it's not the code. Right. Yeah. So well, I don't know. You said you've built it
0: before. Is it? Do you have any like code laying around that you can reuse, <laughs> uh, or was no. it
1: more in the context of, of project work?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it.
1: Built it for other people. Yeah. Hmm. I'm not imagining it would be like a super complicated app. Yeah. He said, setting himself up for more work <laughs> than he expected. I would
0: probably lean against it because, for the reasons specified, although it could be an interesting, could be an interesting like case study app. But the thing about like a case study app that's not actually needs to run in production is you can you can cut certain corners, or you can leave out certain things, and just say like you know for demonstration purposes, I'm only going to show you this part, and the rest is an exercise for the for the viewer. You know what I mean? Um, whereas this you you have to you have to take it all the way to the finish line so you can ship it into production, and and that's where potentially it can get out of hand and take more time than you want.
1: You know? So. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. But I'm I'm leaning against doing that. Although if you're like I don't know maybe if you're a person listening to this and you're like I really really want to watch you build the app, let me know. I could maybe I can be swayed by the people. That's my main thing. Cool, good stuff. I'm, I'm pumped. Congrats I'm on getting it out. That's a big milestone.
0: Getting your your landing page shipped. You shipped something. Shipped and, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to Feels seeing the video you. next week. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. That's, I that. <laughs> that's, that's a good. That's a good commitment. I think that'll be great. Yep. Uh, also, like later today, I'm going to Thoughtbot. They have like a Thoughtbot and friends lunch oh, cool. once a month. Nice. So I'm meeting up with some former coworkers for lunch. And yeah, life oh, cool. is uh, pretty good. Good. How's the um, mental state this week? Uh, pretty solid, actually. Good. Um, I did some yoga this morning. Mm-hmm. So I feel great now. And I also joined a rowing team with some people from the coworking space. Uh, so there's a rowing club on the Charles River. Uh, which is the river that ro- uh, runs through Boston, and once a week they like give you a coach and a coxswain, and we have an eight-person team. And we got on the out, we had our first practice two days ago, and actually got out on the river and did some rowing, which is pretty cool. Have you rowed before? I never have. Okay. Um, I got recruited in college uh, because I'm tall, and it's mm-hmm. like a tall person sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, I went to an informational meeting. They're like practices at five, and I was like, cool. <laughs> i'll see you later <laughs> 5 a.m <laughs> 5 a.m <laughs> yeah. six days a week Ugh. yeah i was like mm, i'm not really here for that kind of lifestyle yeah. that's nice it's just like another uh step forward in the like getting to know people in the environment i'm in so it's like okay now like there's like seven people that i'm getting closer to because we did a thing together and had beers together afterwards and so uh feeling like reasonably good and connected. And actually yesterday, a friend of mine, um his office is like under getting renovated, so he came and worked in the coworking space with me. And it was like oh man, that's so good. Like be, work like just being able to run things by a person. Like I, like as I was going through domain names and like should I name it this and this thing. It was just so nice to have somebody be like, what do you think of this? And then like he was like going through a tech problem, so he whiteboarded some stuff and the like and it was just like I was just reminded like this is this is good. I got to get this eventually again like find other t- tech type people that I can be chatting with. Cause it's, it's, it's nice. Yeah. It's funny. Rob has a story from when,
0: uh, he moved out to Minneapolis about a month before the rest of us did just because of the timing of his house and all that kind of stuff. And, um, so he was in the office, you know, it's office of 150 people. Um, he was in there and in the little drip pod in the corner of the second floor and, he was just like there kind of alone on this island of desks of like six or eight desks. And he recalls feeling kind of lonely, like we could we could chat in Slack, but there was no no one he really knew there beside him. You know, it was just a bunch of strangers around him. And he was like, yeah, it was very, very odd. Like, you know, you miss your team and you miss talking to someone else about the work you're working on and stuff. So um, mm-hmm.
1: totally. Yeah. Yeah. And like he and I weren't even working on a thing together, but he was a Ruby developer. And so I could like just toss things his way and vice versa. And it was just like just that much. And like, hey, let's go grab some lunch or like, hey, let's play a game of chess. There's like a chessboard in the, the space. Um, so it was, it was just really nice. Cool. Well, glad you're making progress on getting into that community there. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I have some ideas, too. I think I might start a little something like they have a lot of like com- like uh, community member run event type things. Um, so i'm thinking about possibly like doing a like a go night like teach people go um, or possibly more ambitiously uh, start a small chorus slash acapella group because uh, apparently there are a number of, like musicians in the space and it's like okay well maybe that could be a fun way to get integrated so i think that's it for me okay what's up with you cool well, we've been shipping stuff this
0: week. Um uh, I was, yeah. I was just looking through, um, if you ever go to like the Pulse tab, I, I just discovered this tab. I, I think I've seen it before, but I just rediscovered it on GitHub. And it gives a nice summary of things done in the last week. And so far, we have have merged 36 pull requests this week. Wow. <laughs> so It's only Thursday morning. Yeah. And I think it does look back like seven days and not the calendar week, but still, Yeah. A lot of things are minor things, but some of the highlights are like um, we made a few improvements to the subscriber list page. So now you can customize. You can add up to four columns of custom fields on your subscriber list, which is something we've been this has been a request for a long time to see additional data about subscribers in the list view optionally. So if someone's storing a name, a first name, last name or something like that, or they're storing, um, you know, some other piece of metadata in custom fields, now you can. Choose to have that be displayed on the list. Yeah, just finally got around to building it, so it feels good. Um, it was one of those issues that was like created two years ago in GitHub. You know, um, <laughs> finally <laughs> yeah. finally made it to the top of the list. Um, nice. We also added one where you can now click a from the subscriber list. You can click a perform an action button, and it'll automatically create a bulk operation in the background for that specific segment, and then take you right to the actions page. So if you say you build up a segment of people and then you're like all right i want to tag all these people with a certain tag then you can just build your segment and then click a button and boom right there you can apply the tag so let's see we also shipped a big big feature that's been in the works for a while called global snippets um oh yeah talked about it before like allows you to you can create an email signature and then you can drop that, you know, manage it in one place and drop it in all your emails. Or you can have like a a promo snippet where you swap out a different promotion at different times and
1: you don't have to go update all your emails. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool. I saw Brennan tweeting about that. Yeah. It's like partials for your, your emails. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Yeah. Was that widely requested? Um, I wouldn't say a lot of people requested that specific
0: feature, but we started seeing more and more people doing different hacks to accomplish essentially the same thing like using like assigning variables in liquid in their templates um so that then they can basically centrally manage all their snippets in their global template in drip you can have any number of custom templates and then and then you can apply that template to all your campaigns and broadcasts and whatever so people are kind of like hacking it using variables in liquid but that's not really a great user experience you know mm, yeah totally it's a feature that like is present in I think AWeber has it, but it's like literally a one-line text box for your snippet. So like you can, you can't even put a block of text, and you can't put HTML, and you can't. When, so in ours, you can like render Liquid with inside of your snippet from the context of the email, and it's it's pretty pretty mm-hmm. powerful.
1: In your face, AWeber. Yeah. <laughs> the awkward thing is uh, AWeber sponsored this episode, so oh, I mean. Yeah. I mean, their snippets are great, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm going to read some marketing copy in a second. Oh, shoot. Um, I just found a little bug. Uh-oh. Yeah. It's in, your, it's in the new columns display in the subscribers list.
0: No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I, 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 I checked one of the options like I, to display one of the columns and save. And it reloads and it displays the column. But if I uncheck the box and click save, the column is still there. And if I pop that config back open, it's still checked
0: that's no good all right so we got a little button we're moving fast and breaking things
1: yeah no that's, <laughs> it's a little one that's pretty minor yeah cool and, and
0: there's this is a, a good example of a of a feature that has some refinement that it probably needs well we didn't know this bug was there but there's some additional refinement like some people have literally like 300 custom fields and so this list it's just a list of checkboxes right now and you have to scroll through and and find gotcha. what you want. Yeah, yeah so yep. you know adding a little search box so when you when it pops down you can just start typing and it'll filter down the list is a refinement
1: that's coming i think i saw that like searching as you type refinement somewhere else in the product recently was that maybe like events i think yeah and that- pretty much anywhere there's a drop down list now
0: uh we we had a a custom built Dropdown control before it was just a little jQuery plugin that I built a couple of years ago, and we finally swapped that out for a plugin called Selectize, which is pretty slick and gives you all gives you the ability to, you know, for any select dropdown, you can now type to filter it. In some contexts, it makes sense to like either choose an existing item or add a new item. Like if if the if the text you typed is not an item in the list, then just let that be the item so this is going to give us a lot more power to like in different places always present a list of custom field identifiers instead of always making you just like remember what it was character for character
1: that's a surprisingly nice ux improvement yeah like when apps do that it's like anytime there's a big list of things like give me that like find it as i type it thing is is so nice
0: yep i agree
1: and it's been on our list too for a long
0: time and it's funny these these select controls seem to i think they're kind of difficult once they reach a certain level of complexity they're difficult to maintain so there was one it was called select two i think that we were pretty sure we wanted to use and we started going down the road of implementing it and then we started encountering some bugs and some edge cases i think there was like some strife in the issues about like needing new maintainers and people getting burned out on trying to maintain this plugin and browser compatibility and stuff so and i think there's even some Chatter on the one we chose about like the maintainer not wanting to maintain it forever on the Selectize plugin, which I guess happens in open source quite a bit. But but the the plugin is so good, we we kind of weighed our options. Like, should we not use it because it's kind of only half maintained right now, or should we take the risk and and ultimately we decided like if we had to swap it out later on, we would
1: do that. But for now, you know what that sounds like to me? What opportunity? <laughs> to take it over uh you're a business and you want a really good find as you type plugin that stays maintained and stays working mm, yeah and i bet you would pay more than zero for that yeah
0: that's true sponsored
1: corporate sponsored. yeah yeah it's an idea
0: i just need to learn javascript right <laughs> yeah hopefully the code's good actually I, I do know that the code is good here too um which is not always the case with the large javascript code base but <laughs> sure. our JavaScript guy has been like, yeah, I hacked the core a little bit. I added some some additional plugins. And so, yeah, who knows? Are you running your own fork of it now? I don't think we had to fork it, which is nice. I think it has like a a little bit of a plugin infrastructure.
1: So they, they had some foresight in their architecture, which is good. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that is cool. I've never written a thing that accepts plugins, but it sounds fun.
0: Mm-hmm yeah
1: i agree early or at the very least even if
0: it's not like a i'm not sure if he had to kind of look in the internals and figure out like an internal api to override or something like that but i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure what he
1: did to modify it was not like outright forking um mm. so yeah i like that idea of like how do i structure this code so that people can get custom like can change it how they want without mm-hmm. needing to change the code yeah i think that's, like, that's probably a really nice um That's probably a, probably a good positive design pressure, yeah, especially when you're building a library,
0: you know right, exactly, yeah so, I feel like there's a lot of activity a lot going on, um actually, mentally, like it's been a little bit of a challenging week for me because I don't know there's been a few times where I've had like a meeting that's gone for two hours or something like that, and in the meantime, there's a lot of activity going on, and there's just like. A, an overload of slack notifications and people asking me questions people asking for a review and people I found it especially difficult this week for some reason to to deal with all the activity especially when I step away for an hour or two in the middle of the day to be in a meeting or do something else so I, I came to a hypothesis at the end of yesterday um, that I think I'm on notification overload for one thing with all the developers we have now and they're all being really productive, there's just a lot of GitHub activity, for example. Every time I'm looking at a page on GitHub, the, the blue dot is always there. And I compulsively, like every other page load, will will open it in a new tab and see what's new in there. And the list is now like almost always longer than... It like almost always goes below the fold. <laughs> like There's like 30 notifications there all the time. Because people just commenting on stuff, often it's not actually things I need to look at, it's just... I'm I'm watching the repository so it's every single piece of activity gets thrown in there as a notification so end of yesterday I finally unwatched our main repository which means I'll only get notified if someone if someone pings me or if I'm participating in a conversation already um, or if like someone requests a review obviously anything involving me directly I'll get a notification but otherwise I won't so I'm going to try that I'm optimistic that that's going to have a positive impact on my feeling of overload <laughs> this feels like a big step yeah yeah i've You're been like letting go a little bit i know i know I, like one developer on our team has literally every single piece of notification infrastructure turned on <laughs> like with slack every single time anyone posts anything in any channel it's like a push notification
1: and i don't Good know lord i don't know how people get anything done with that i don't know either i think i've paired with that someone that had that yeah it's like every message and it's like i can't how do you possibly how can you do this this is awful
0: right i mean i can see if you're like really on your game and you're like i don't know you're able to compartmentalize what you're working on and flip over and do this but
1: i don't know i I think at at best you're at a massively degraded level of work
0: yeah i mean they say they say humans
1: are almost incapable of true multitasking right like yeah totally we're not multi-threaded uh, yeah. <laughs> i will throw out this person got fired for not being productive enough eventually um, yeah so uh, yeah yeah <laughs> so there's that
0: yeah i'm gonna tell the team today in our meeting that i have unwatched the repository so if you're expecting me to pick up on some comment made on a random issue that i'm not currently participating then you need to make sure to mention me you know
1: so I this know. is good. I, I think this would be really good for you, actually. Yeah, and, and everybody, I guess. Yeah, that seems yeah, like I, a positive step. I think so too. And
0: I know, like, I know a lot of companies will recommend if they have like a monolith with, or like one large repository that houses most of the code. I know it is a practice for a lot of companies to say like, do not watch this repository because there's just too much activity and you're going to get drowned out in noise. Sometimes I've been finding sometimes things do get lost in the noise, like. Someone will have mentioned me in a comment thread three days ago and I just never saw it because, you know, at a certain point I'm like, if I think that I've already seen the change that I need to see, then I'll just mark things as read and not actually click into every single issue and read every single thread. So I've been finding increasingly things getting lost in the noise. So this should help help prevent that, I think, because now I'm only going to get things where I'm directly involved. I've had a similar similar philosophy on like exception monitoring things like that where like you know we try to squash any noisy exceptions that aren't actually actionable squash those early so that they don't drown out potentially um critical things so Mm -hmm. yeah cool yeah so i'm optimistic i'm gonna try i mean this is day one i literally
1: unwatched the repository late yesterday so we'll see how today goes but all right you have to tell us how next week what yep. the experiment revealed. Totally. I will. Cool. Well, we're getting a little long. Do you want to wrap it up? Yeah, let's wrap it. Okay, cool. Uh, one thing before we wrap. I noticed we don't have any iTunes reviews because we're a brand new podcast. Uh, if you are digging the podcast, would you go uh live us a review? That'd be awesome. I think I've recorded I mean, this isn't giant robots anymore, but I think I did 260 of them or something. And I don't think we ever asked for reviews. So this is my first time. So if I can cash in my social capital and ask you to go do me a favor or do us a favor and leave us some reviews, that would be awesome. Do us a solid five-star reviews, please. Yeah. And I noticed, we noticed this morning that we're having some RSS issues in iTunes, it looks like. So if you're using, almost no one, it appears to me as using the podcast app, like the native podcast app. So you're probably fine. But it looks like if you are, we might be missing an episode or two, but we're going to get on that. So sorry about that, but it's, we'll fix it. Show notes are at uh, artofproductpodcast.com.